Well, good morning again. So, I don't want to take a long time to speak this morning. Anybody be mad if we get done a little early? All right. But at the same time, I, I think there's really a, a, just a great capstone kind of truth that we need to get our hands on if we're really going to live out this legacy of these Christmas treasures that we've been looking at. Over the last month, we've been looking at some of the underlying or foundational type of, Christmas, of treasures that God has given us in Christmas. Like one of those we looked at the first week was that God's a promise keeper. And when you look through the scriptures and you see all the things that God has promised us, that reality really sinking into our lives is, is truly liberating and life-transforming. You know, another treasure we saw is that God uses ordinary people. That includes you and I. He uses ordinary people to fulfill his extraordinary plans. Great treasure, right? We looked at the fact that, that also that you and I need to just kind of cease trying to be good enough to earn God's love and just bask in the fact that we are gods in Christ, right? And that's just a great truth. And, 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 and relish in the fact that God has revealed to us that there is a Savior, which is tremendous news because every single one of us needs a Savior. That's what we looked at during our Christmas Eve message. These are great truths. But I got to tell you, those treasures are going to get buried somewhere in our lives if we don't resolve an issue in our lives. We could have these great gifts, but soon enough, these are going to be slid up underneath the bed or stuck in the storage closet or put somewhere in the attic, and they're going to cease to really have great value in our lives if you and I don't, in some way, shape, or form, resolve an issue that every single one of us confronts. See, God gives us all these great treasures, but if we don't resolve a particular issue, now I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions, right? That's, that's coming up for Friday, right? That's what we do on Friday night. We have our New Year's resolutions, things like drink more water, stretch, right? Read better books, those kinds. And we, we have all these kinds of resolutions. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, we need to resolve a conflict that Christmas and our faith in Christ creates in every single one of us. And here's the conflict. The fact that God has showed up in person and entered into a relationship with us, with everything that he's revealed to us in his word, the reality is, is God has a plan for our lives. But we also have a plan for our lives. Now, if we don't resolve that conflict one way or another, the Christmas treasures aren't going to last for very long, right? Because somewhere in there, God's got a plan for my life, and I got a plan for my life. Which of those am I going to follow? And, and if we don't follow it, and if we don't resolve that tension, that issue, resolve that conflict in a way that allows us to release those treasures into our lives by choosing God's plan over our own, then Christmas treasures are simply going to find themselves buried off somewhere. Now, listen, I, you, you see this in, in, the, in the text of the Christmas story right away. Grab a Bible, if you would, and turn to Matthew chapter 1. And if you're using one of the Bibles up underneath your chairs, it's on page 855. If you're using um, your own Bible, that's great. You're the first book of the New Testament. You, you can see this dynamic in the life of Joseph right out of the bat. Right, right out of the box in, in, ter in terms of heading down the track, you could see it right away in the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, 
Let me just read verses 18 uh, and down through 25, but we're really only going to deal for the, with the first three or four. So it says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, and again, their marriage setup was different than ours. You know, we get engaged, and that's not really legally binding. You can kind of say, ah, you know, I don't want to marry you, and you can move on kind of thing. Once you get married and our thing, then you're legally connected. For them, when they were engaged, they were legally bound to one another. But then there was like a waiting out period of time until they completed the marriage, if you will. So there, he's engaged to Joseph. She's engaged to Joseph. It was discovered before they came together, before the marriage was fully completed, that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Joseph doesn't know that. He just knows she's pregnant. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That last promise we looked at. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, the promise keeper part, right? See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He resolved the conflict. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So here's Joseph. Joseph's a good guy. Probably by, you know, in our standards, and we can figure it out, and, and, and really in many ways it's a guess. He's in his early 20s, 22, 23, 24, going to marry like a 16, 17-year-old girl, pretty typical what they did back then in those days. And, and, and he's a good guy. He lives in Nazareth. He's the kind of guy that you want to have be your neighbor, right? This is the kind of guy, when you're not home, he's going to put your trash cans away from you, for you, right? Or if, you know, if you crack a rib, he's going to cut your grass for you, right? You know, those kinds of, you know, he's just that kind of a guy. Not only that, he's a carpenter, right? And, and he's the kind of guy that you want to go to. When you need furniture made, or you need to fix, have your furniture fixed, you go to him because he's an honest kind of guy. He's going to give you a fair price and do good work, all that kind of, He's just a good guy. But it was never in Joseph's plan to raise somebody else's kid. Right? He, he, he's, he's engaged to this young woman, and from his perspective, somehow or another, she just must have lost touch with reality because she believes that God made her pregnant. She's, she's just delusional, right? She's innocent in some ways, but she's just delusional. And, 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 and so it's not in his plan to raise somebody else's kid, and it's not his plan to link himself with somebody who's going to have a hard time just grasping reality forever. So he says, you know what? I'm just going to divorce her, but I don't want to destroy her. So instead of going to the public square to divorce her, I'm just going to go to the square in my own house and divorce her. I'm going to do it discreetly. See, Joseph had a plan for his life. Raising somebody else's kid with somebody who wasn't stable was not a part of that plan, and he was ready to get away with it, to do away with it and start over, right? Then God shows up in a dream, in the form of an angel, and said, Joseph, I got a plan 
that's different than your plan. Because what's because Mary's not delusional. I really have made her pregnant as a virgin. And you should be unafraid to take her as your wife, and I want you to raise my child as your own. God had a plan. It was different than Joseph's plan. He had a moment of truth where he had to resolve this conflict between God's plan for his life and his own plan for his life. And what does the scripture tell us in verse 24? When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded And I got to tell you, if you and I are going to live with Christmas treasure as a foundation of our lives, we're going to be just like Joseph. We got to be people who, in those moments when God's plan and our plan are different, we're going to choose God's plan and not our plan. Does that make sense? If not, it's just going to all come apart. So part of what we're so grateful for that God has come to us and he's in us and we're in him and et cetera, he's got all his plan, that also creates this tension for us. Are we going to do life God's way? Or we're going to do life our way. And we have to resolve that conflict. Now, let me point out a couple of things related to that conflict. Right? First of all, even as we grow spiritually, and what we want and what God wants, hopefully will become more in line with one another, right? We're going to be growing towards God. So what we want is closer in alignment to what God wants for our lives. Ultimately, there's always going to be this conflict for us because God's ways are not our ways. You know, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, it says this. Give me just a second to to turn there because I just want to prove to you I can find Isaiah, even though I got it written in my notes. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. This is what it says. For my thoughts, this is God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. And in case we didn't get said, this is the Lord's declaration. <laughs> right? This is the Lord's declaration. My ways are not your ways. And your thoughts are not my thoughts. In other words, there's always going to be a difference. And this challenge for us, whether we've been a believer for 10 minutes or whether we've been a believer for 50 years and been faithful in the midst of all of it, we're still going to face this challenge of whether we're going to choose God's way or our ways. And you could take this passage of scripture and you can unfold it over and over again. One of the, a couple of the examples I, I really, really like, but, but let me just, you know, the Apostle Paul, right? At the, as you're reading through the book of Acts, it gets later in his journey, and it's clear to him that God has told him to go to Jerusalem. And, and, and he knows as God has expressed what his intent for him is, what his way for him is, is that this is going to involve hardship in Jerusalem. And what does the scripture tell us? That every single church he stopped at tries to talk him out of it. Because God's way is not their way. They loved Paul, right? Paul had been there. They don't want to, so even though they loved God, they wanted to follow after, they were there. Their way, what they thought was best and what God wanted to do were not in alignment with one another. And there's that tension that's always there. Here's the second aspect of this design dynamic that I want you to get. Not only is God's ways not our way, and, you know, there's, and there's always going to be a difference, and there's always going to be this challenge for us to resolve this conflict, to bring it to resolution. The, the second thing I tell you is that God always wins. So the second choice we really have is, are we going to win with God, or are we going to lose? 
right? I mean, I think about marriage, right? I, one of the things I say to, to, to people that I'm counseling before they get married, one of the things I try to practice in my own life, in my relationship with Christina, that when it comes to marriage, there's only win-win and lose-lose. There is no win-lose. Say, so if we, we get a little extra money in, and I get my golf clubs, but we don't get the new washing machine that we really need as a family, I didn't win. I might have the new clubs, but I didn't win, <laughs> right? We both lost because our relationship, when it comes to marriage, there's only win-win and lose-lose. You know, there isn't this win-lose. Like, I won the argument and you lost, and then it doesn't work that way. You both lose or you both win. That's the way. When, you come, when you come to the scriptures, you can see that in this dynamic, God wins. But in the midst of that, God also invites us to win with him. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, and, and again, in, in, the, in the Gospels to, to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Just, just, just to bring this dynamic to a little bit of life so that, that you know that I'm not making this up, that God has actually said this to what. Luke chapter 9, this is page 919 if you're using one of the, the Bibles that was underneath your chair. Just a single verse. Jesus says, so let me start with verse 23. He says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So that's the invitation to win with him, right? To walk with him. To be in alignment with his ways being our ways and, you know, that kind of, us doing life his way. Verse 24, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. So here's the dynamic that's going on there. He says, if you say, no, 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 no. This is what I have set out for what I want to do with my life. And I'm going to protect that. I'm not going to let God adjust it. This is just who I, and this is what I'm going to be. He said, if, we, if we're seeking to save our lives, then we're going to actually lose them. But if we lose our life and we say, you know what, I'm going to give up my way and adopt God's way, he says, you're going to save it. So you see this dynamic here, right? God wins. And so the issue is, if we're in alignment with him, then we win. If we fight against him, we lose. Now, you know, we're not, it doesn't mean we're going to lose our salvation, all that kind of stuff, but there's just lots of pieces of the promises of God that we lose. And so, there, and so you can just see this dynamic. It's, it's something that's always going to be with us, and we're always going to be confronted with the choice of, am I going to take up my cross, follow after him, and do it his way and win? Or am I going to do it my way? And lose. I may think I'm winning, but I'm really losing because I'm missing out on the heavenly treasures that are going to last for eternity for things that aren't going to last very long. Does that make all sense? Now, I, I want to make a couple of applications of this dynamic to our lives. And with that, I'm just going to kind of wrap up for today. And, and here's, here's, you can also see these in the gospel stories. And, and, and I want to point out a couple of them to you as, as we go through this. One, one of the number one things that we need to resolve in terms of choosing either God's plan for our lives or our plan for our lives really comes down to the issue of who we're going to serve. Are we going to serve God or is God going to serve us? Are we going to serve God or is God going to serve us? Now, let me give you a couple of examples of it from, from the gospel story, right? The first comes from Mary's experience of encountering the angel, 
Let me just read the text for you again. Luke chapter 1, page 907 in your pew Bibles, beginning with the 26th verse. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man named Joseph of the house of David. So her name was Mary. And the angel says, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. In other words, our, my language today, you're, you're the blessed one because God's got a plan for your life, right? Hail favored one, right? God's got a plan for your life, a very specific plan. But she's deeply troubled in this, by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this can be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. In other words, embrace his plan, trust it, right? You found favor with God. Listen, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. He's going to be great. He'll be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. <laughs> and Mary's like, how, how can this happen? You know, because I'm still a virgin. I'm not fully married yet. And the, and the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Right? And, and consider your rel relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. And listen to her response. I am the Lord's servant. Right? Change of plans from what she was expecting and maybe wanting and what God was planning, and she says, I'm the Lord's servant. She made the choice to say, I'm going to serve him instead of him serving me. She said, let it be done to me according to your word. Now, let, let that just hang out there. Now, turn over to Matthew chapter 2, right? And I'm going to tell you more of this story than read it all for you, because there's a lot of verses in it and et cetera, right? But in, in Matthew chapter 2, you start with the 16th verse. And it's the story of King Herod and the arrival of the wise men. Right? The wise men see the divine bat signal in the sky, right? Excuse <laughs> my language, right? He puts a star in the sky. They're reading the skies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We know about this prophecy that this star is going to indicate that there is a special one born in Israel who is supposed to be the king of the Jews. So they march for a thousand miles to come. And they arrive in Jerusalem. And they're saying, well, we've come to worship, to celebrate the, the one who was born king of the Jews. And this is news to the king of the Jews. His name's Herod. So he, he you know, so he's, his mind's a whirl, right? Like, all right, what's going on here? I was planning for my kid to tell whatever. So he gathers together the religious scholars and, and says, where, where, you know, we don't know who this kid is. Where was he supposed to be born? And they say Bethlehem. And so he gives them direction. The wise men go. They meet Jesus in Bethlehem, and they worship him. And then they're warned in a dream to go home a different way. Why? Why are they warned to go in a different direction? Why is Joseph warned to take the child and go to Egypt? Why? Because Herod is going to choose his plan. God's supposed to serve his plan. My, my, my descendants are supposed to sit on this throne. I didn't build this big temple for nothing. God owes me. Right? So God, oh, you know, and, 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 and so he needs to serve my plan. And when he finds out he's been tricked by the wise men, we read one of the saddest stories in the scriptures. 
that he just massacred all the boys under the age of two that were, had any, that were anywhere near the zip code of Bethlehem because he was looking for God to serve his agenda rather than to him to serve God's agenda. Does that make sense? That tension goes on in us and all that. It doesn't really lead to people getting massacred. But we have that same challenge all the way along. <laughs> you know, some of it is, let me, let, me, let, me, let me just step on a couple of toes at a low level, right? Some of it is this way. So it's like, you know, I'm willing to help. I just don't want to be in charge. We get that a lot around here, right? You know, I, call me, I'll help, but I don't want to be in charge, right? I, don't give me the leadership job, right? You know, and, and well, somebody's got to do it. Right? It, you know, it's like, you know what? I'll do anything as long as it doesn't involve public speaking or public prayer. You know? <laughs> and it just goes on. We, we, are we going to serve God or are we going to serve ourselves and have him serve us? And, and that dynamic goes on over and over and over again in our agenda. And that's something you and I need to be conscious of. And we need to be hearing Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Put your, nail your agenda that desire for God to serve you, nail it to the cross and let God and serve God and just see what God does with you as he honors this. Here's a, here's a second dynamic that I really want us to appreciate. And we are coming in for a landing soon. I promise you to get out a little early, not too early, right? I want you to get your money's worth. You got up and took a shower and came today, right? So I think I definitely had too much coffee this morning. That extra hour just got me anyways. I think this is actually one of those things that we struggle with when we think about how is it that we get into heaven? You know, what, what does it really take to be saved, to be, to be forgiven, you know, by, by God, and qualified to be greeted at the pearly gates by St. Peter and saying, you know, well done, good and faithful servant from Jesus, come and enter. What, what does it really take to do that? And, and a lot of us are wrestling with this because we would, we would really prefer for it to be one of two things. One is, we just earn it on our out, outright, right? As Tom shared in his steps, as long as I do more good than not good, hopefully my a balance sheet will be enough, and you say, yeah, you know what? You squeak by, but you're in. We, we would love to merit it on our own. And we live in a culture that prizes that. And I'm not saying initiative and being entrepreneurial and being, doing the most with what you have, all that kind of stuff. None of that is bad. But the scripture tells us that none of that is going to be good enough when it comes to getting into heaven. Some of us would also like to look at the whole thing about Jesus coming and the cross, whatever. It gives us a second chance. So as long as I don't blow the second chance, <laughs> I can get into heaven, right? And so we, we say, you know, God, look at all the good stuff I've done. Look how much I've changed. Look at what, you know. And we, we, so God, some, somewhere in the midst of this, I've merited it all. So and take me in, right? You know, you can grade on a scale just a little bit, would you? <laughs> you know, tur turn my B minus into an A plus so I can get into that kind of, it doesn't work that way. And God's been crystal clear with us already. And, and. I visited with somebody this past week, and, and, and you know, they, they reiterated that a passage that I read just not too long ago and used as a part of one of my messages, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, was their life verse, where it says, you know, for it is by grace that you were saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any of us can boast. And some of us, we fight this. It's like, you know, I, I don't really want to admit that I can't do this on my own. And then I just need to receive it as a gift. And we, and we wrestle with God about all of this. It's just, and we need to resolve the fact that just 
bring it to the conclusion, you know what, I can't ever be good enough. doesn't mean I don't need to work hard, I don't need to try, all kind of stuff. But my salvation, my standing before God is a gift that he gives me. And it becomes my gift as I place my faith in him. That's why he sent a savior into the world and made sure that everyone knew that their savior had arrived because we need a savior. And that savior would have never needed to come if we could do it on our own. And, and, and so part of this resolution is what, what are we going to accept as our standing before God? What gives you confidence to stand before God? Is it what you did yesterday or is it the fact that Jesus came and died for you? And now he's a part of your life by faith. And we face that challenge all the time. And, and, and I think that it, it, it even flows out even from that. It's like, you know what? It'd be just so much easier if God would just make it crystal clear. Right? You know, if, if, if we could just kind of have some modern day fleeces like Gideon had. You know, Gideon had his doubts about whether or not God was really speaking to him and using him. He said, well, you know what? I'm going to put a fleece out. Let, let it be damp and everything else around it dry. And that happened. And then he flipped it around and said, well, oh, no, 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 no. That could have been. You know, who knows? That could have, you know, who knows the science? Let's do this over again, right? Let's let the fleece be dry and everything else be wet, right? And, and, and we've, we'd love to for God to say, you know what, God, if you're really real, would you just levitate my car, you know, in the driveway? You know, oh God, you know, turn my car into a Ferrari, you know, from a Hyundai. You know, you know we, we just want some dramatic signal. And, and, and we're, we're waiting for God to do it on our terms. And God's already told us in Hebrews chapter 1, he spoke to us in many ways through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. And that's what we're going to get. And whether or not we will resolve the issue and let God speak the way that he wants to speak. Speaks through his word. He takes fallible people like me and speaks. His spirit speaks into our hearts as we live our days. Are we willing to allow God to speak the way that he wants to speak? You know, I hope we will see this, resolu- this, this, this issue we've got to resolve in our lives as a gift and not a problem. I think it's a good thing that God has a plan for our lives. I think it's a good thing that his plan is better than our plan. And I just pray that we will be the kind of people who will resolve that issue like Mary did, like Joseph did. Said, not my plan, your plan. I'll serve you instead of trying to get you to serve me. You've spoken. I'm going to obey. Be it to me as it is to one of your servants. Let's pray together. God, thanks for your word today. I pray that the treasures that you've granted us in Christmas would resonate in our lives forever because we truly choose each day to take up our cross and follow after you. And these things I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.